All right, theglobeandmail.com reported yesterday that Bell and TELUS are turning towards European suppliers Ericsson and Nokia for their 5G network gear as the Prime Minister is continuing to stall on giving a firm position on Huawei and its uh, involvement in 5G here in Canada. Christian Luprecht is our guest. He's professor at the Royal Military College in Queen's University. Welcome to the show. Good morning. So a bit of a surprise since TELUS announced in February that it would launch its 5G service using Huawei. Is this a signal of the direction that the government will go when it comes to Canada's decision on using uh, Huawei? Oh, yeah. I mean, for TELUS in particular, it's a big turning point because TELUS was all in on Huawei, both previously and in terms of its announcement uh, earlier in the year. So it's, TELUS is probably the bigger story than Bell, which only have had about 30% Huawei content in its 4G networks to, uh, um, to begin with. I think what the government uh, uh, was always banking on is by delaying a decision and waiting it out, it would create enough uncertainty uh, for the three big telcos that eventually they would have to make a decision and was hoping they would make a decision against Huawei. And I think that's exactly what's happened. I mean, if you watch uh, what's happened in the recent weeks where the winds of change have really been blowing hard against uh, China, um, the Trump administration with its very specifically targeted technology sanctions that created real doubt as to whether Huawei would be able to deliver on quantity and quality, and then the concern that around the rest of the world, other telcos are going to be having the same sort of thoughts that um, the Canadian telcos are having in terms of is Huawei a good idea or not. And so I think uh, there was a risk of getting caught flat-footed in terms of as everybody makes a shift away from Huawei, the line behind Ericsson and Nokia is going to get really long. And so I think the companies made a bottom-line decision that it was better uh, for business to uh, get into the game now and make sure you can get the equipment you need uh, when you need it, um, rather than waiting out and uh, and waiting for direction from the government. And look, I think uh, the current government and the key ministers in Ottawa are breathing a sigh of relief because it means they have some breathing room on um, a future decision on this. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the theories has been, and you, of course, uh, are are one of the people that think that the government would rather have had the telecom uh, companies make the decision rather than them making the call on Huawei, uh, because there are lives literally on the line. This could be whatever direction they actually decided in. Uh, If it was the direction that was not in favor of Huawei, the government could be actually putting the lives of the two Michaels who are still imprisoned in China at risk. I mean, that's a reality. And, of course, we have a third Canadian who was retried and is currently seen on death row in China. Um, so um, the the hostage diplomacy that China has been leveraging has clearly been meant to extort Canada into not making policy decisions that might aggravate the circumstances. But look, this is all the more reason why we don't want to have Huawei technology in our um, mobile communications networks, because uh, the hostage diplomacy that we've seen there, um, if China could take undue influence over our networks through a Chinese provider and their cozy relationship with the Chinese regime, um, the next time China is displeased with our policymaking, they might just... um, uh, they might just threaten us with throttling or uh, perhaps shutting down our internet traffic altogether. So I think it's all the more reason uh, for us to be doubling down on the risk that uh, Huawei poses to critical infrastructure and to strategy um, in this country. But it's not just about China, of course. It's also about the U.S. 
The mm. Trump administration has leaned heavily on Canada, as have the Senate and House Intelligence Committees, both of which have written to the Canadian government. And this is significant because it means those are bipartisan letters, both the chair and the co-chair, so a Republican and a Democrat. So there's pretty much consensus in the U.S. on what Canada's decision should be. And so this allows Canada to um, keep good relations, at least what 5G and Huawei is concerned with both countries, because they can say, look, we have a free market and the market decided. And so we have a market based solution. But what's really interesting is that's, I think, exactly what the United States was trying to achieve with these very targeted technology sanctions. And so I think both the U.S. and a host of other telcos and countries are watching this decision by the Canadian telcos very closely. You know, the inaction from Justin Trudeau to make a decision, could that be in part posturing as well? I mean, I I understand that lives are definitely in danger, um, the two Michaels specifically and the person on death row that you mentioned in China, the Canadian on death row. But also just the posturing to the Americans like, oh, we'll make a decision when we're ready. We'll take into account what you've said, but we're going to just we're just going to be more careful in this situation. No Canadian government ever wants to be seen as pandering or caving into U.S. pressure. And so ultimately, this is a question about sovereignty and um, how you try to preserve and at least, or at least be perceived by the Canadian public as trying to preserve some sense of sovereignty in our decision making. I think this is also a government that has not wanted to make key decisions on security um, and would rather wait it out. It's also, of course, a minority government that uh, wants to be particularly careful um, on, uh, on on critical decision making um, that might cause uh, that might cause uh, agitation uh, in relationships with any of our allies. It's a government, and generally, I think in the Canadian sort of foreign policy DNA, that prefers to move multilaterally on this. And so, I think indirectly, this conversation, for instance, about the the D10 Club of Democracies um, and what the future relationship with China looks like. I mean, that's a that's code for what does our relationship with Huawei look like? And so uh, Canada is able to, I think, do the usual thing where they can be the smug Canadian in terms of pretending that they're leading the world, uh, while really they've just created so much uncertainty in Canada that the telco simply said, like, look, we can't live with this risk. Um, we're just going to have to make a decision now. We're speaking with Christine, Christian Luprecht, who is a professor at uh, Royal Military College at Queen's University. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the investment that Huawei has in Canada. You know, they, they invest hugely, uh, and they have for years in university and uh, research and development here in Canada. Can you talk to you how Huawei responded to the decision that uh, Bell and TELUS made to go with Ericsson and Nokia? So the Bell, of course, made it clear, for instance, in his release that is still open to working with Huawei in the future. Let's also remember that all three telcos will continue to sell Huawei handsets. So we're not talking about excluding Huawei altogether. We're talking about um, excluding Huawei from Internet switches and mobile telephone tower switches. So a, a very particular targeted component of the telecommunications uh, market. Huawei seems to continue to be committed to Canada and to its investments. Um, I've written about this and, uh, and bemoan this, uh, that we are effectively, Canadian taxpayers is, is essentially subsidizing Huawei IP. Uh, Huawei makes a small investment in research and development and in return uh, takes away all the intellectual property. We saw the controversy with regards to Western University in terms of how that agreement 
was written, so we shouldn't construe this as somehow a goodwill gesture by Huawei. Uh, this is a business decision and one that capitalizes on tax incentives uh, and other research monies that are available from the federal government. And perhaps given that Huawei is a company that has a long track record of global human rights abuses, both within China, think of Xinjiang and Tibet, and keeping some of the most notorious authoritarian systems in the world in power with its digital and surveillance technology, I think Canadians will want to think twice to what extent uh, it is prudent to uh, continue to do business with a company that has a terrible human rights record. Um, and on top of that, at times, a questionable track record in terms of uh, the quality of its equipment um, as the Huawei Valuation Center in the United Kingdom um, has repeatedly pointed out in its own reports. Records uh, aside, Bell and Telus have argued in the past that it would cost them more money to take and take longer to get 5G running in Canada if they can't use Huawei gear. Now, we hear that they're going to go with Ericsson and Nokia, if you're just joining us now, for some of that uh, 5G gear. But I wonder, is the economic slowdown because of the pandemic actually buying time on 5G demand here in Canada? And is this part of the reason why they you know, can make this decision? Yeah, so look, I think the the um, one of the Huawei concerns here is that the discount that Huawei had basically offered on price has rapidly evaporated. Um, uh, Huawei is able to compete on price because it receives a state subsidy of at least estimated $10 billion uh, a year. Um, so essentially the Chinese government af- actively manipulates the market in favor of Huawei. Um, we should also consider that uh, Huawei's uh, sales... Uh, Uh, by some accounts, are possibly down up to 35% this year. Uh, You might be uh, reticent to do business with any company whose sales are down that much because you're not sure about whether they'll actually be able to deliver. And as I pointed out, the whole uh, geostrategic circumstances, I think, have raised serious doubts about uh, about Huawei, um, as well as its quality, quantity, and cost structure. And so I think uh, the telcos simply looked at this and said, like, um, that that there's the 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 risk outweighs the benefits and the cost savings um, are simply not there anymore. And by virtue of having all three companies make decisions for either Ericsson, Nokia, or both of them, I suspect uh, they were also able to negotiate uh, a reasonably good volume discount. Because if you can now have a couple of companies build out the entire network in Canada, there's also savings for uh, the companies that provide uh, the equipment and the services. So I think overall, this probably came together that uh, that the CEO simply said, uh, this makes good business sense. We know that internet traffic is up 250%. And so I think the telcos were starting to look at, they want to renew and build out their networks and do it sooner rather than later. Um, and so uh, they wanted to make sure they had certainty with regards to what equipment they're going to be using for that. That's unusual. The uh, big telecoms wondering what's good business sense for them. Um, well, it's actually one of the it's advantages. It was a little tongue-in-cheek there. Yeah. Well, but it is one of the advantages that we have in Canada and that the government leveraged here by virtue of the fact that we only have three big telcos. It yeah. meant that instead of the collective action problem that you have elsewhere with many players, the government simply needed to get three players, create conditions where three players would make a decision that was sort of along the lines where government, I think, wanted this to go. Um, and I think so part of this is uh, the benefits of the sort of cartel uh, that we've quasi had in the mobile communications uh, market, both the decision um, and the relatively progressiveness in terms of continuing to build out the networks, uh, given how 
how vital um, uh, telecommunications infrastructure has become, um, not just for the 21st century in general, but during the virus in particular. All right. I got to leave it at that. Thank you so much for joining us, Christian. It's been my pleasure.